You're listening to The Real Wealth Show with Kathy Fetke, the real estate investor's resource. Our guest today spent 20 years as a marketing data analyst for Silicon Valley tech companies, and he invested in real estate on the side. Today, he's a full-time investor and one of Real Wealth Network's investment counselors. I'm Kathy Fetke, and welcome to The Real Wealth Show. Joe Torrey is also one of those people who made the most of 2020 and took some time to write a book called Real Estate Due Diligence, The Investor's Guide to Avoiding Costly Mistakes. And he's here today to share some of those insights with us on The Real Wealth Show. So Joe, welcome back. Oh, thank you very much. Good to be here. You have come out with a book at the perfect time because a lot of people are jumping into real estate or trying to jump into real estate or wondering if they should. And you've come out with a book on due diligence, which may or may not address that question if, if uh, it's time to buy. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it does. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, I see a lot of investors who are hung up uh, with analysis paralysis. Uh, there's a lot going on. They, they're not sure what market to invest in. And because of the virus, they don't feel good about flying out there to visit the market in person uh, or uh, to see properties in person. So how do you make decisions like that remotely? And there are a lot of tools you can use that can help you with that. And then also, uh, final thing is... Uh, um, the pro forma financial statement. When a provider says, here's the rents you can expect and here are the kind of expenses and here are much cash flow you should expect to get after all expenses, uh, how do they know that that's accurate or even in a ballpark? And there are ways of, of doing due diligence <clears throat> for each of these questions that will help investors get off the fence and uh, decide to invest in real estate. So that does come back to why now uh, when prices have gone up so much? Yeah. Uh, we see uh, prices going up and probably going to continue to go up. Uh, the government is looking at spending a trillion dollars on uh, infrastructure uh, in the next year or two. So that means that there's going to be more demand for building materials, cement, concrete block, uh, lumber, everything. So the price rises we're seeing now are likely to continue. Uh, and the Fed has to keep interest rates low because the interest on the national debt would be too high. So uh, with interest rates low and with uh, construction costs going up, we see prices continuing to go up in the near future. So you shouldn't wait, you know, because eventually it'll, real estate, in the long run, real estate is a very forgiving asset. You know, I, you know, uh, as one of our investment counselors at Real Wealth, that we don't tend to invest for um, appreciation. Mm -hmm. It's more speculative. What are your thoughts on that now? Well, uh, there's several kinds of investors, uh, some that are focused mostly on the cash flow and some that are focused more on appreciation. All of our markets uh, cash flow, so it's not like you'll be negative. That's the thing to avoid is where you have a negative three or four or $500 a month. And then uh, uh, if something happens, you lose your job or if the market turns, then you're stuck. That's where people got into a lot of trouble in 2008. So all of our markets cash flow, but some cash flow a lot, but are unlikely to appreciate. Those are mostly in the Midwest. And then other markets cash flow less, but they have more potential for appreciation. So as long as you're cash flowing positive, you can wait out anything. That's a really good point because there's other benefits, right? If you're not getting as high a cash flow as you might have five, 10 years ago, you're still getting other benefits like yes. loan pay down, right? Like right. tax benefits, asset protection, protecting yeah. yourself from this crazy inflation. Yeah, and a lot of uh, the cash flow is protected from taxes because you have interest write-offs and depreciation write-offs. So uh, you don't have to pay taxes on much of it. Yeah, really good point. All right, so let's take a look at your book and 
what are the main themes of, of it and, and the kind of due diligence that you do. I can say that at Real Wealth, we really rely on you and your, your input and your feedback on the different markets that, you know, that we recommend to investors and, and different teams in those markets. And you always take a good close look at the property management along with our, you know, our, our manager of those property teams, Tim, you're, you're alongside with him, helping him do that vetting. So let's just start with picking a market. What would you say are the most important things that people should be looking at when choosing their market? Well, uh, all of our markets sound good because they all have a story as to why we like them. You know, they, uh, we, we look for job growth, population growth, um, or the uh, landlord-tenant laws favor the landlord, uh, diverse economies, those sorts of things. Not all markets check every box, but some have, they're all strong in some areas and weaker in others. So when you're looking at a market, the first thing is to decide what your pri primary goal is. Are you looking for cash flow or appreciation primarily? And that will determine a lot of, uh, make the decision for you in, in a lot of ways. So for example, if you're younger, let's say 45 or younger, and you've got many, many years before you have to quit your day job, you might want to focus on appreciation more because you have a long runway and you can buy properties today for 250,000 in Florida and 10 years from now, they'll be worth 350. And if you buy 10 of those, your net worth will go up by a million dollars over the next 10 years. And that's a good thing. Now, on the other hand, if you're, uh, let's say you're retiring, you're 65 today and you're looking to uh, retire, uh, you don't care about appreciation 10 years from now and you need cash flow right now to replace the income from your day job. So for someone like that, that kind of investor might want to focus more on cash flow markets. And I've had investors do this where they sell one house in California and buy eight somewhere else in the Midwest and their cash flow goes from 500 a month to 5,000 a month. You know, so uh, it really helps their retirement uh, plan. So depending on where you are in life, uh, you can focus primarily, uh, decide first if you want to focus on a cash flow or appreciation. Yeah. And after that, other considerations are inventory. Inventory is really hard to come by right now. So some markets, uh, you, you have a lot of inventory and others have less. And in Florida, Florida, for example, some of our markets, you have to just put an earnest money deposit down and the house will be built in six to nine months. So if you're doing a 1031 exchange, for example, you don't want to wait that long. You don't, you'll miss your deadline. So you have to narrow your focus to markets that have lots of inventory. Because, for example, if you need five houses, you don't want to look at five. You want to look at 10. So you can pick the best five or the one you like the best anyway. So uh, that will help this make the decision for you too, is, is which market because of the inventory availability. And then finally, property type. You know, some markets have multifamilies, duplexes, fourplexes, other markets don't. So if that's what you're interested in for better cash flow, then you can focus on those markets. So when you look at all these different variables, uh, the decision almost gets made for you. Through a process of elimination, you get a short list of one or two markets that are best for you. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. So uh, you personally invest, all of our investment counselors are actually very, very experienced and they, they own property themselves. Uh, which markets are you in and do you have a personal favorite? Oh, well, I have uh, uh, four properties in Alabama and um, three soon to be four in Florida. So um, I'm kind of diversifying there, different markets. I like Alabama because it has the second lowest property tax rates in the country. So you get good cash flow, and uh, the properties in Huntsville have potential for appreciation because that market is booming right now. So uh, we've got a little bit of both there, and then the Florida markets. Florida is just growing like crazy. The population goes up by three hundred twenty-five thousand people every year. That's basically a hundred thousand households a year, and they can't build houses fast enough. So with if the population is growing, then demand for housing is growing, and that means rents will go up and property values should go up. 
Yeah, so those two markets I like a lot. But that doesn't mean the other markets don't have a story either. I wish I could invest in all of them, but I can't. <laughs> I know, me too. All right. And then within those markets, how do you pick neighborhoods? And especially when you are you don't live there and you are maybe don't want to travel there. Yeah, the, uh, the property team will send you an address, you know, 123 Main Street. And they said, this is a great area. It's up and coming. How do you know that? So uh, there are several things you can do online uh, from your desktop that could help you uh, make that decision and get a comfort level. First thing is to just look it up on maps, you know, like Google Maps and just see where it is. Is it close to a freeway? Is it close to services, close to uh, schools, jobs, that sort of thing? Then there are some other uh, um, pr uh, websites that I like to use. One is niche.com, N-I-C-H-E.com. And they give you, a you type in the property address or the address doesn't exist yet because it's new construction. You can type in the zip code and it will just flat out tell you this is an A neighborhood, a B neighborhood, a C neighborhood and so forth. And then that'll give you some uh, idea of what kind of neighborhood it is. And then there's specifics about household income and education level of the people who live there. And a key indicator is uh, the percent of people who own versus percent who rent in that neighborhood. And to me, that's very important. I like having a two to one ratio of people who own to rent, because if you're in an owner neighborhood, then you have multiple exit strategies. You know, when you go to sell the property, you could sell to an owner occupant on MLS, you could sell to your uh, tenant, you could sell to another investor. But if you're in a tenant neighborhood, mostly fourplexes and apartments and everybody on the streets, a, a renter, then you really have only one exit strategy and that's to sell to a, another investor. So I just like having that flexibility, but not everybody's like that. That's just my personal preference. Other sites, uh, there's one called city-data.com, which gives you ethnic background and uh, demographic and other information on a uh, given zip code. And that gives you a good insight as to the neighborhood. And then another one is uh, spotcrime.com. Usually you don't need to do that for an A or a B neighborhood, but if you're investing in a C neighborhood in Chicago or Baltimore, you might wanna check that and just see what the crime levels are. What's particularly important is uh, the violent crime. You know, property crime is bad enough. You know, Somebody sprays graffiti on something or breaks a car window, but uh, violent crime where there's muggings and uh, stabbings and that sort of thing, that will make your tenants leave. They'll just break the lease, especially if they have kids, they'll just leave. So uh, you wanna watch out for that and just make sure you're not in an area that's, that, that's dangerous. So when you look at all these different resources online, you can pretty much get a good feel for the area uh, even without having to go out there. And then just a tip personally, whenever I buy a property, I'd like to uh, take screenshots of those sites and save them in my folder for that property. Because five or 10 years from now, when I'm considering selling or what my exit strategy is, it helps to uh, be able to look back and say, here's what the neighborhood looked like when I first bought it. What does it look like now? Is the neighborhood getting better? Is it getting worse? There's no way I'm gonna remember 10 years from now, what the neighborhood was like. So as a best practice, I like to just take snapshots so I can uh, have a baseline that I can use for future comparisons. Mm, good stuff. Okay, sanity check your pro forma. What do you mean by that? Oh, well, the property provider usually says, here's the rents you can expect, and then here's the principal, interest, taxes, insurance, property management, and then after all expenses, here's how much cash flow you can expect to net. So a lot of investors look at that and they're not sure can I believe these numbers? Where did these numbers come from? You know, that sort of thing. So uh, the, the ability to independently verify those numbers and just get a, uh, make sure they're in a ballpark. They don't have to be exact, but just check them out. So for example, the big numbers to focus on are the rents 
and the maintenance, because that's the ones that can uh, fluctuate wildly, and taxes too. Uh, so on the rents, let's say they say the certain property is going to rent for $1,400 a month. You can go onto any of the websites like Zillow or um, Trulia or Realtor.com, type in that zip code, and then do filters uh, for the same kind of property that you're getting, same number of bedrooms, same number of baths, and click the rent button, and just see what do properties like that rent for in this neighborhood. And then you compare that to what rent they've been forecasted for you. You just want to see, is it in the ballpark? And if it's not in the ballpark, you just got to ask the provider, why do you think this rent, this property is going to rent for so much more than these other ones that are on, I'm seeing online? Maybe there's a good reason. It's in a better part of town or a better location, or it's got better finishes, granite countertops or something like that. But just get clarity on that. And if you're not comfortable, take the rent down. Say, okay, I suppose it's $100 less than that. Uh, did the numbers still work for me? So that's, oh, the other thing when you're looking at rents online is uh, look at how much competition you have too. Like how many other rentals are there in that zip code? So if you have a property for rent and there's 20 others in the same area for rent, then you're going to have a lot of competition to get tenants. So you want to see a, a few, very few, like 10 or less in that area. So you're not competing against too many other uh, landlords. So that's mm -hmm. a way of sanity checking the rent number. And it's, it's kind of important because, you know, if you raise rents $25 a month, let's say your rent projection is off by $100. I mean, if you raise rents $25 a year every time the, uh, the lease expires, it'll take four years to get the rent back to where you thought it was going to be on day one. So it's, it's good to invest a little bit of time just to sanity check the rent number. Yeah. Mm. And then, then for the other numbers, um, like uh, maintenance, uh, if it's a brand new construction home, you shouldn't have very much maintenance at all. It's all brand new. Everything's still under build or warranty. So that's, you can put very small number in there. If it's a 50-year-old home in Alabama, you might want to put 3 to 6% of rents. Set that aside for maintenance. If it's a 100-year-old home in some parts of the Midwest, you might want to put more. So uh, the, the maintenance uh, and the uh, rents are the main things to, to focus on. Okay. Great stuff. All right. And finally, you said you like Florida as an investment. What about climate change? Are there any considerations there? Uh, not really. Um, I've, uh, there's a website that I use uh, put out by NOAA, which is the National Oceanographic and Atmospheric Administration. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's a pretty neat website. Uh, you type in the address or the zip code of the property you're considering, and a map will come up. And on the y-axis, there's a, a feet, like one feet, two feet, three feet. It'll show you what happens if sea levels rise three feet or six feet, you know? So you can use this sliding scale and then you can see what areas are underwater and what areas aren't underwater. So I did this in San Francisco, for San Francisco. And if water levels rise six feet, San Francisco is still okay because it's very hilly and mountainous. It's above sea level, but uh, the San Francisco airport was completely underwater and Foster City, which is built on a landfill, is completely underwater. So that gives you pause if you're thinking of buying a property in, you know, Foster City. But then the second button there, it says, when's that going to happen? You click the second button. It's called a local scenario viewer. And uh, it shows that sea levels, according to their models, are going to rise 5.7 feet by the year 2100. Well, that's 80 years from now. So if you're looking to buy a property now, it's probably not going to be a problem for you. And in general, when I spot checked uh, our properties in Florida or other places, uh, I haven't seen any issues at all. If you think about it, if a property is right on the beach, 
beachfront property costs millions of dollars because of the view and it's not going to cash flow and that's not the sort of properties that we offer our properties are going to be three to five miles inland so i haven't seen uh any issues with properties the closest were the short-term rentals that our jacksonville team offers some of them are in resort areas uh so you just want to check those but i haven't seen any issues with those either mm, that's very comforting yeah and, uh, yeah I've, I've looked at those maps too and was very relieved to see that the areas that we're in are, are not on the flood, flood map and they're, they're not on the climate change map. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, how can people find out more about, say, connecting with you at Real Wealth? Um, I, I mean, obviously, you just go to realwealthnetwork.com, log in. Uh, if you haven't logged in, you join. It's free to join. And then, um, you know, again, how can they get in contact with you or the other investment counselors there? Well, you go to the about section on our website and there's a, I think there's a, there's a section called meet the team or about the team. And you click on that and you scroll down and you'll see the four investment counselors there, actually the whole company. And you just click on one of the investment counselors and their contact info will be there. Okay. And, and how does, how does one choose between the four of you? You're also wonderful. I mean, <laughs> do you specialize in different things or? No, um, well, some of us have more strengths than others in different areas, but uh, and some of us have more experience, like I would be have more experience in Florida and uh, say uh, Alabama, somebody else might have more experience in Cleveland, you know, or uh, Chicago. So um, when you sign up and get a free membership, you'll be assigned an, an investment counselor automatically. And so you'll just get an email and you just click and open open relations. Okay, great. Wonderful. But you all share the same uh, basic information. And, yes. Yeah. And then you trade off doing educational webinars that are that are free every week. Yes. And we have weekly uh, calls where we discuss things. We have questions. I have a, a client with this problem. What do you guys think? And there's a lot of back and forth. So we share ideas as well. Yeah, that's great. Okay. Uh, any last closing thoughts who uh, from people who may be on the fence if this is a good time to buy or not? Yeah, well, I... Uh, I, I see investors, it's not just now because of the virus, it's just in general. I've seen investors who come to our uh, live events when we had them uh, every month for years. And some of them, they come to the uh, Thursday webinars every week, but they never actually pull the trigger. They're just not clear on something. I don't know what it is. So uh, analysis paralysis will mess you up because real estate's a great tool for uh, building wealth and achieving your financial goals, but it, it doesn't work if you don't buy something. So uh, whatever it is that's holding you up, talk to an investment counselor and get, see if you can get unstuck and then uh, you can get started. The first property is the hardest. After that, it's really easy. I personally bet some people wonder how we get paid or are we the middleman? Is that going to increase the price of the property? And I think it's important to, to explain that uh, Real Wealth Realty is a brokerage and we do broker to broker agreements and the commission's the same that it would be, it's the 6%. Um, right. And we just share that with the broker on the other side. So there's a middleman just like in any transaction that you would buy. If you if you didn't wanna go through us, you'd go through a realtor and pay the same fee. Right. But I think that's important for people to understand. There, there might be a belief that uh, the prices are higher because of the services we offer, but they're yeah. not, yeah. Okay, well, Joe, it's always a pleasure to have you here. That was so full of information. Uh, how can people find your book? Just go to Amazon and um, look for uh, Real Estate Due Diligence, The Investor's Guide to Avoiding Costly Mistakes. And, uh, okay, great. And you'll find it. 
And again, if you want to find out more about Joe or how to connect with him or our other investment counselors or get access to the hundreds of free educational webinars that, that we offer, just go to realwealthnetwork.com and click on the join button. Again, it's free. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thank you all, right, all for thank listening. You. Thanks for Take having care. me. See you next time. Bye-bye. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to realwealthshow.com.